Epiphany Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Epiphany's podcast, a ministry of Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Our church exists to help people discover and rediscover the love of God in the Christian gospel. For more information about our church, you can visit epiphanyligonier.org. In the Harry Potter book series, author J.K. Rowling offers us a profound and beautiful insight where she articulates how tragedy and grief can change a person. You see, when Harry Potter and his wizarding friends arrive each year at their legendary wizard boarding school, um, from second year students on, they travel to this magnificent castle boarding school in the hills of the English countryside in large, magical, self-driving carriages. I mean, of course they do, right? It's Harry Potter, and everything in Harry Potter's world is magical and whimsical, including the ride from the train station to the boarding school. They ride these magical self-driving carriages. But when Harry Potter returns to school for his fifth year, he's now age 16, after years of fighting against wicked wizards and the dark arts, those carriages have lost their wonder. In fact, Harry... As he goes to board the carriages to begin his fifth year of school, as he transfers from the train station uh, to the school itself, he notices something different and scary about the carriages that he took for granted in years past. You see, he, like his peers, had assumed that the carriages were magical and self-driving, but this particular year, Harry Potter sees something different. Pulling these carriages are large, terrifying, bony, winged horses, kind of like a Halloween skeleton version of a Pegasus. And J.K. Rowling calls these creatures, these beasts, uh, Thestrals. And we learn that the Thestrals have always been pulling the carriages to and from the castle, but Thestrals are magical creatures and they are invisible to the average wizard. Only wizards, you see, who have witnessed death firsthand can see the Thestrals. And it wasn't that long ago that Harry Potter had witnessed the death of his classmate Cedric at the hands of the evil wizards he was battling. And the death of Cedric is a turning point for the fantasy series. Uh, It was a series event in the Harry Potter story, which turns it from an innocent, kind of young, fun read into something that's actually serious and it's thoughtful fantasy literature. That's the moment things change. And so Harry Potter, as one who has seen death for the first time firsthand, now he can see the Thestrals, which he couldn't see in years before. And his innocent classmates who have not been uh, battling the dark arts as he have has over the past couple of books, his, in- his innocent classmates still believe that the carriages move by themselves. And ever since I read that particular bit of fantasy writing in uh, J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series, what, a decade or two ago now, um, I've just, I've fallen in love with it because she presupposes that people who have seen death, people who have experienced the world um, at its worst, well, they see the world differently and they see the world as it really is. 
The Thestrals represent a loss of innocence, a dose of serious reality, an encounter with our own mortality. And if you've ever experienced a great tragedy or a great loss, I bet you you can see the Thestrals of our world, too. You might not see the large, skeletal, winged Pegasus monsters, um, but if you've had a close encounter with your own mortality, if you've experienced the trauma of this world, you're certainly seeing the world in a different way than the people around you. And um, this is a long way of getting to the point of why I love Ash Wednesday, because Ash Wednesday marks a season in the church calendar where we acknowledge the Thestrals in our own lives. Um, we actually pull aside the curtain and talk about the Thestrals that we see in our own lives. And let me give you an example from my own life of seeing the Thestrals in my own life. You know, this was something that happened to me 12 or 13 years ago. Um, and it was actually my first Ash Wednesday service when this happened. And it's by and far the most memorable Ash Wednesday service I've ever been to. You see, I left my first Ash Wednesday service early, right after receiving the ashes. I didn't stick around for communion because I had to get in the car that night and drive from college um, in Grove City, Pennsylvania, north of Pittsburgh, down to Richmond, Virginia, my hometown, for a funeral. You see, my teenage cousin Eric uh, had just died, and the county coroner had said he was probably playing some sort of choking game where a teen will restrict their oxygen to their brain as a way of experiencing a high. But instead of getting high, my cousin, he accidentally hung himself. That's what the coroner said. And my aunt walked into his bedroom to find him hanging from the light fixture on the ceiling. And so, of course, you want to go to that funeral because it's not just any funeral. It's one with a particular dose of, of tragedy to it. It's a very sad funeral. And the drive from college back to Virginia was eight hours. And I, I you know, didn't get to start the ride until 7.30 p.m. at night. And I was making the drive by myself. And my mother and I had this backup plan we had made in advance where if I needed to, I could stop at a hotel room along the way if I was getting too drowsy to make a safe drive. And sure enough, after driving for about five hours, about one o'clock in the morning, I ended up stopping for the night at a hotel in Frederick, Maryland, about three hours out from Richmond, um, because I was getting drowsy behind the wheel and it wasn't getting safe. And so after checking in, exhausted and ready to flop into bed, I caught myself looking in the hotel mirror and I was shocked at what I saw staring back at me because the ash-smeared cross on my face was still there, that Ash Wednesday cross I had received a few hours earlier. And it was the first time I'd ever seen my ashen face in the mirror on the eve of the funeral service for my teenage cousin. And ever since then, I thought that was probably the most appropriate Ash Wednesday service I will ever attend. Uh, to be reminded of mortality in such a vivid manner. And actually, that first Ash Wednesday was a great comfort to me. My family, you see, was now marked by this stigma and the specter of an accidental suicide. And while the rest of the world was going on as if everything was the same, the ashen cross on my head, it, it marked a significant shift in my perspective. I had lost a real sense of innocence on that trip, you know? Everything and everyone was not okay. And the troubles of this life would not leave my family unscarred. Um, to use J.K. Rowling's language, I could now see the Thestrals. And when the parish priest, he put the ash on my forehead that year, reminding me that I am dust and to just dust I shall return, it was as if someone else knew what I was going through. 
my actual life circumstances and my connection with God aligned in such a way as to bring a word of comfort in my grief. Life was hard, death is real, and God is not oblivious to those realities. Ash Wednesday and Lent, in my experience, have become actually you know, favorite church holidays um, precisely because of this comfort. It's a time of year we, we can let down our guards and acknowledge that things are not all right, that we are not all all right, that we need something more than our own power to set life and our world in good order. And so this is an invitation to take off our rose-tinted glasses and grieve that the world that we could have is out of our reach. And so for the six weeks of Ash Wednesday and Lent, we can call a spade a spade. And while the rest of the world may insist that the carriages are self-driven, uh, continuing to do life normal, avoiding the very real specter of death that haunts us all, you see, we all can see the Thestrals. And this year, especially, Ash Wednesday offers a unique comfort to us during the, hopefully, last stages of this COVID pandemic. Many of us have seen Thestrals in whole new different ways this year. Maybe we saw the Thestrals in the political realm, especially as the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol was broadcast on our news feeds. And maybe we saw the Thestrals when we ran into people publicly flouting public health measures in the grocery store or in the doctor's office. Or maybe we saw the Thestrals when we lost someone dear to us, pandemic or not. We have all had the opportunity to see the world at its worst over the past year. We have all seen plenty of Thestrals. Um, but let's not forget that the Thestrals aren't just outside of us as if they were a problem for someone else. Um, maybe we are also seeing some of the Thestrals of our own making this year. Maybe we saw the Thestral of our lack of control between the kids being at home or the work-at-home situation and the quarantine. Maybe we ran smack into the limits of our sanity and uh, experienced all sorts of burnout and breakdown that we haven't experienced since we were teens. I don't know. And maybe this year we saw the Thestral of our own coping mechanisms as we gained our COVID-19 weight, or we watched too much Netflix, or we watched too much cable news, or we ordered too much on Amazon, or we discovered that we're secretly toilet paper hoarders and we didn't know that before. And maybe we saw the Thestrals of our own fragile faith where we were feeling really confident in our relationship with God last February because things were going great. But we've been humbled and shaken by the frailty of our faith over the past 11 months when things haven't been going great. And so what do we do once we see the Thestrals? It's one thing just to sort of acknowledge that they exist, but is that good for us? Is it bad for us? What does it mean that we see the world in all of its fullness and all of its hardship and all of its suffering? Well, for Harry Potter and his team, the Thestrals will end up playing an important role in the books to come because they become allies. Um, they, they steal the good guys away when the enemy is close at hand and help the good guys escape. And, you know, at the end of the book, when the final battle comes together, together, they fight against the wicked wizards alongside Harry Potter and his allies. Um, and so maybe if we see the world as it really is, with all of its hardships and frustrations, with the reality of death and sadness, we might find something that good that can come from it. It doesn't all have to be uh, dreary wearies, as one of my baby Tom's books says. Um, Easter, you see, is coming. And the Thestrals of our own lives, they're not simply just a re re revelation of the sinful world we contribute to and inhabit. They are a giant neon sign that points to a God who can do something about the world we are powerless to control. 
we have 46 days to follow those neon signs. And if we choose to do so, we're going to find that God isn't just sympathetic to our plight, but he has put forward a solution to our plight as well. And so as we receive our ashes tonight, or for those of you listening from a distance, as you receive your ashes in your heart, um, they are reminders that we are dust and we shall return to dust one day ourselves. But I say to you, there is a God who can breathe into dust and make life anew. And so whatever the thestrals are that you've seen this year, I say to you in Jesus' name that if you follow those thestrals and embrace the reality that they present, they will lead you to a bright and better way. In Jesus' name, amen. Ligonier, Pennsylvania.